And together we pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord, we give you permission to speak and to do what you desire. We ask that you would make our minds, hearts, and souls fertile soil for your gospel, that your word may bear great fruit in our life. Illuminate these scriptures for us. Convict and console our hearts. Speak, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Since Jesus knew that they were going to come and carry him off to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain alone. Since he knew that they were going to come and carry him off to make him king, he withdrew to the mountain alone. Why, why would in this moment they want to make Jesus king? Why would happen now? We see they, they begin to see him performing miracles already, and so they were attracted to him, and they follow him, and they go up a mountain, and it is near Passover, John tells us. And they're going up this mountain, and, and they don't have food, and Jesus, again, he sees this, and he, and he this is where I love Jesus' sense of humor, right? He, he knows what's going to happen, and he turns to Philip, and he's like, hey, where are we going to get food for them to eat? <laughs> like, hey, buddy, I'm going to make you squirm a little bit, right? See all these folks? What are we going to do about this? And Philip's like, what are you, what? 200 days wages we couldn't feed these people. Lord, like, are you kidding me? Um, and then the Lord tells them, have them recline. Have them recline. Put them in a position, right? In, the, in this time, in their culture, they would recline to eat. Put them in a position to be fed. So he has them recline. And then Andrew comes with the five loaves and the two fish. And, and we know the miracle. We've heard this story over and over. That Jesus offers them to the Father. He blesses them. He breaks them. And then they are distributed. And there is so much left over that there are 12 wicker baskets full of bread from the five loaves. It's amazing, miraculous uh, multiplication of the loaves and the fish. So at this moment, these people are like, whoa. Who is this guy? And they say this. They say, getting my pages mixed up here. <laughs> Truly, this is the prophet, the one whom is to come into the world. When they say the prophet, that's a very specific thing to them. They're talking about Moses. Like, this guy is, is the one who they prophesied, of one like Moses would come again. Like, this is him. Because Moses is the one that led us, right? The Lord used him to lead us from slavery in Egypt through the desert where there was the miraculous bread from heaven into the promised land. And in this miraculous bread from heaven too is this continual manifestation of the Lord in the sense of it was the eating of the unleavened bread at Passover that was movement, this movement out of slavery into the passageway through the desert, going on the way to promised land. 
So like, whoa, Moses went up the mountain to converse with the Lord. Here we are on the mountain. There's this miraculous multiplication of food. He must be the one. He must be the Messiah. He must be the prophet that has been prophesied for us. So let's make him king. Let's make him king. Why king? Right? Because part of the promises that the Lord said to me, he says, I will take you, I will make you, right? I will be your God, you will be my people, and I will make you a great nation. Going into the promised land, and they had the king, and the kingdom, we know King David, King Solomon, and there was the fall, and all of the craziness there. So they're an occupied people now, and they're longing for this reestablishment of the kingdom, a reestablishment of who they are. So as they're beginning to think, Oh, Jesus is the one. He's the Messiah. Make him king. Which, like we can't argue, like that's a pretty good idea. If you're going to make somebody king, Jesus is the one to make king. So here they are, and they're saying, make him king. They're pointing to the Lord. But what does Jesus do? In this moment, Jesus leaves, it says, and he goes up the mountain alone. Now, more important, the question is, why does Jesus do this and where does he go? Is who is Jesus going to? They want to make him king. It's a great idea. But Jesus goes to the Father. He goes to the Father because he wants to do whatever the Father desires. That that is his mission Loving obedience to the Father. And you have now the people of Israel, the people whom he came to save, and then like using them, right, to begin to save the entire world, that like they want to make him king. Which he is king, right? It's our parish, Christ the King. But not in the time and not in the way that the Father desired. They wanted to make him king, but not in the time and not in the way that the father desired. And so this became, this, this, if he would have stayed with the crowd in this sense, this is a moment of temptation. We know Jesus can be tempted right after his baptism. He was led into the desert to be tempted by the enemy, and he was tempted three different times. But these weren't the only times that the Lord was tempted, and there was a temptation here to do what the people desired, but not what the Father desired. So he went up the mountain to be with his Father, to listen to him. When we are tempted, there's this movement of temptation, right? The temptation wants to draw our attention away from the Father to whatever the temptation may be. And there are a million temptations there. But the movement is always back our eyes on the Father. And here the temptation is the temptation, what we call the sin of human respect. Now you might think, what, what? how is respect a sin? Like, what are you talking about, Father? No, I'm not talking about like giving the, the proper and just respect due to each and every single person as we're created in God's image and likeness. But there's a sin of human respect, and it is this, that I care more about what other people think than what God thinks. 
that I put more weight in the opinion of others than in what is actually true and good. All of us experience this temptation. Why? Because there's a natural desire in us to be respected. It flows from the desire to be loved. So it is a good thing that we have this desire. It helps us to not just be like lone rangers by ourselves. It's part of wanting to be in communion. But when this desire to be respected and to have good relationship with others is placed above the desire to do what is good and true, to honor the Lord, then we have things upside down. And so it's always placing things in right order of honoring and fearing the Lord in this sphere of awe and reverence to God, of desiring to do His will above pleasing anyone else. And so in this moment of temptation, Jesus leaves the crowd. And for him, right, this is on the surface an objectively good thing. Again, if we're going to make anybody king, I vote Jesus. Let's go. But it's not what the Father wanted and when the Father wanted it and how he wanted it. This temptation for human respect can come for us that it can be the same thing. There can be a movement or desire or, or, or drawing us to do something good that God doesn't want us to do. Like, hey, hey, Father, do this. Hey, Father, do this. So I'm like, well, the, the bishop has told me to do these things, to be pastor of Christ the King and to be director of seminarians. So you're asking me to do these other things, and they're really good, but if I go do them, then I can't be faithful to what the Lord has asked me to do through the bishop. There is that temptation. But then there is the temptation, right, of something that is, is more directly evil, like, hey, bend the truth. Bend the truth about marriage. Bend the truth about human sexuality. Bend the truth about what it means to be loving and merciful and all of these things. Like, bend that because it's more palatable for people to hear. In your life, you experience the same thing. This, this pulling and this tugging, right, to want to be respected and loved by others, but at times in such a way that draws us away from following the truth that the Lord has created. How do we then, how do we then combat this, this sin of the fear of man more than the fear of God. And when I, again, when I say fear of God, it's not a servile fear, but an awe and reverence, a filial fear that we know he is our father and we want to love and respect him. First, as always, as always, we follow this example of Jesus, we pray that I have to know the Lord and I have to know that he loves me and that my identity is rooted in him. So spending time every single day in prayer is putting me in that primary relationship because if I'm not praying every day, then the only relationships I'm paying attention to are those around me and they will become more important than my relationship with God. And remember Jesus said he came, right? He came that he is more important, that even like we need to choose him above a relationship with a mother or father, above a relationship with a son or daughter, all of those, like those are important. Jesus wants those relationships to be good, but they cannot be placed above our relationship with him. This is what the Lord asks of us. 
Second thing from prayer is to study the truth. If I don't know the truth, if I'm confused about the truth, then I cannot say yes to it. Then I cannot choose it. The truth, again, who we are of marriage, sexuality, the truth about what it means to be a human person in this world, the truth of, of, of the church that leads us in every single aspect of our life, the human person, not just the opinion of others, but the authentic truth of the gospel. Third thing, this is really important, to cultivate the virtue of fortitude or courage. One of the four cardinal virtues, right, is fortitude and courage. What is fortitude? This is the catechism's definition. Fortitude is the moral virtue that ensures firmness in difficulties and constancy in the pursuit of the good. Right, it's the moral virtue that ensures firmness in difficulty and constancy in pursuit of the good. No matter what other people may be saying, no matter what the popular opinion of the culture is, fortitude allows us to remain firm in pursuing what is good. It says it strengthens the resolve to resist temptations and to overcome obstacles in the moral life. The virtue of fortitude enables one to conquer fear, even fear of death. This is why we revere the martyrs, that they did not even fear death more than offending the Lord. And to face trials and persecutions, it disposes one even to renounce and sacrifice his life in defense of a just cause. So we need to pray for this virtue of fortitude, which is also one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So there's a natural virtue for us to grow in. Like, I need to know the truth. And then when difficulty comes, cooperate with the grace of God to persevere in doing what is good, even in difficulty. And then I'm asking the Holy Spirit for an increase of this gift of the Holy Spirit that empowers me even more greatly than just cooperating with the Lord in virtue. Also, to pray for the theological virtue of hope. Why is hope important here? Because the theological virtue is hope is not like, I hope the Tigers win the national championship again this year, right? That's like, it's a nice sentiment. But the virtue of hope is based in the reality of God. It is not a nice wish. It is not a sentiment. The church tells us this. Hope is the theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness. Placing our trust in Christ's promises and relying not on our own strength, but on the help and grace of the Holy Spirit. Hope is the desire for heaven as my ultimate happiness and fulfillment. And the relying upon the Lord to move me and get me there. And so when I have this virtue of hope, then the, even the good of being in warm relationship with others cannot be placed above my desire to be faithful to the Lord because I desire heaven more than that. It is the real communion that I long for. 
And if I'm cultivating this in my heart, then as I live in this world with my feet firmly on the ground, but my eyes and my heart directed towards heaven, then it helps me put everything in proper order. Love of God first. Constancy in following the truth, even in difficulty. And then love of others, of being in relationship with them, but never in a way that draws me out of authentic, true, and right relationship with God. Jesus, they wanted to make him king. The crowd wanted to say, now is the time. But Jesus wanted nothing more than to do the will of the Father. And so this, this opportunity for him to be made king in this way was an opportunity to fall into the sin of the fear of human respect. So he turned to the father to be in relationship with him, confirmed right in the truth. We throughout our, our daily lives, right, there's a genuine longing to be in good and right relationship, to be respected by others. It is placed in us by God. But it cannot be a greater good than the good of the truth and following the truth. And there will be temptations to go against what is right, good, and true, and beautiful, right? Direct sin. But there will also at times be temptations to do a good that the Lord has not called us to do. And we just want to be obedient to him. So it is our call to be men and women of prayer in constant relationship with the Lord, to pray and live, to, be, to increase in the virtue, the moral virtue of fortitude, of the gift of the Holy Spirit of fortitude, which allows us to persevere in doing the good in spite of difficulty and trial to ask for an increase of the virtue of hope, which sets our eyes on heaven and our blessedness there. And so it puts things on this earth in proper perspective and proper order. And studying the faith so that we know what is good and can choose it. Today as we come to celebrate the most holy Eucharist, let us thank God for this gift of heaven, this miraculous food, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, setting our eyes on heaven, increasing in us fortitude, so that even in the midst of temptation, that we can say yes to the Lord, that the most important relationship in our life is one with the Father, shared in Christ through the power and grace of the Holy Spirit. Always the temptation the temptation of human respect will be before us. But as our hearts are united and increased in faith, hope, and love in the Lord, then we can persevere in fortitude, persevere in choosing the good along with Christ that we might know eternal happiness and joy with him forever in heaven. Come, Lord Jesus, and give us this grace.